We are uh, Whatever is Left here with an episode for you today on the topic of healthcare and its place in modern society. I am Hunter and this is Danny and this is the two of us today. Yeah, our co-host Matt is still quarantining due to exposure to coronavirus. So uh, here we are. Um, so I'd like to start just by opening up and saying that healthcare in the U.S. is absolutely garbage. Um, we have worse healthcare outcomes for drastically increased prices. Uh, our, we have so many hospitals that are for-profit, uh, that prioritize people with good health insurance um, for better, more expensive treatment so they can make more money. Um, we, we don't need to necessarily have a for-profit uh, healthcare industry. Not every country does this. Uh, even the countries that usually have um, private hospitals will still have a um, public uh, health insurance program, um, which helps to uh, argue and fight for better prices and stuff like that. But uh, do you have anything to add about like um, the healthcare process in this country, like in general, like without getting too specific? I'm not getting too specific. I just a big hassle too like just trying to make an appointment get in and everything is just really rough compared to other countries where it's almost like a drive-through not just how quickly you can get in and out uh especially now um with all of these uh coronavirus restrictions and the uh, public spaces like doctor's offices limited amounts of um people that you can get into buildings at the same time waiting rooms and stuff like that um wow. even longer wait times to see sick people in a time where they should be more heavily prioritized yeah i know that i went to the hospital a few weeks ago because i couldn't breathe and in the ER could not breathe like literally was just having a really bad asthma attack for like over 24 hours and uh, i waited another five six hours to get in in the waiting room just sitting there jesus christ yeah. oh my god i mean like that's the emergency room though i mean that's... but i literally like i was like i left work early and went yeah i went to work that day not being able to breathe because i couldn't afford it uh and then left early and was like I'm here because I can't breathe. Still in Corona time, so it should have been a priority because I couldn't breathe. Appreciate you not swearing. Uh, <laughs> gotta go every other since Rodney was on last week. Uh, yeah, that that's absolutely crazy. Like, in, um, our, our country has some of the worst wait times for um, emergency rooms and just to see a doctor in a hospital. Like, out of most developed countries, it's terrible. Um, ugh, I can really imagine what that was like. I am terribly sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's just especially with a lot of hospitals like closing their doors on to people like not being able to come in right now because of covid um it's we're running out of beds and our system's overworked and underpaid yeah those essential workers aren't getting their uh fair share i mean doctors tend to make uh, enough to get by but the nurses certainly could use some help the custodians certainly could use some help the backbone of our healthcare system yeah, yeah definitely uh we talked a bit about that last week and how they, they deserve a little bit more love and they're not getting that right now uh, go check out last week's episode on uh the coronavirus shameless plug Absolutely shameless plug. <laughs> um, this is a, it's been a nice little segue from coronavirus to healthcare. Talk yeah. a bit about that. Um, being the more specific about the way that our healthcare industry could be better suited to handle these kinds of situations. Ooh, we we can talk a little bit about um how COVID should be like uh kicking the butt to America to be you know wake up uh, fix your healthcare system. It's broken. It's not working. Why is it still like this? Um, yeah, we see like yes, other countries are running out of room, but not like how we are and how I think part of it is the way we handle the, the pandemic but also doctors and nurses shouldn't have to beg for PPE they shouldn't have to beg and plead and get donations from companies nurses uh, shouldn't be wearing trash bags to try and keep themselves clean when they're not even all that effective um, nurses shouldn't be risking their lives every day in case they do get COVID so other people don't get COVID and we not respect that and uh the high population uh density areas aren't the only places that are having a lot of problems with their hospitals it's especially problematic in uh rural states in this country where there just aren't enough beds for all the sick people they're not used to having this many people sick at one time or the fact that you're near like if you live farther enough into the countryside your closest hospital could be 45 minutes away if you're lucky yeah, yeah that's it's just that's really rough um i think we could do a lot to at least um invest in opening up smaller clinics and stuff like that so people can get some kind of care um it's more accessible to them uh just more and more ways that our healthcare industry is just not working um so uh you wanted to talk a little bit about wait times and referrals yeah so um it's such a weird like i've seen other people will talk about how in other countries they get sick and they can go to a specialist right away 
Well, depending on what kind of insurance you have, and the fact that we have so many, like four different types of insurance is kind of ridiculous. Like an HMO and a PPO and uh, there's so many of them. I can't remember off the top of my head all of them. Um, but having to go see your primary to describe the problems that they can't fix, but still having to pay that copay and go through that time of waiting to then get a referral so that your insurance can cover you going to the specialized doctor where you have to wait another month, month and a half just to see them to be told, oh, we sent you to the wrong place. You need to go through this one. And it's kind of this endless cycle. And by the time you finally get to where you need to go, things could have progressed worse or you've given up halfway through because the system, like you can't keep taking off work to go to a doctor's appointment. Yeah, you only get so much uh, paid time off, you know, especially when you're not actually like sick. Yeah. Like, you know, um, that gets into study separate things. But yeah, wait times and referrals are really rough. Um, we already talked a bit about how the wait times and just um, emergency rooms are bad, but it's wait times to see your doctors in general is rough. Uh, the referrals uh, just drag things out, add more uh, layers of um, bureaucracy in a way to the healthcare industry. Um, more administrative stuff, more scheduling. It just it makes things messy. Um, things that could definitely be cleaned up a little bit. Uh, so you also wanted to talk a bit about the health outcomes for people of color. Yeah. Um. Yes. So, um, at least people, uh, women of color. Um, I made this quote earlier. Um, that doctors are to black women as cops are to black men. Um, in many cases, you'll see where um, the, there's been advice out there that if you're going to a doctor and they're not listening to you, tell them, dictate it into my chart so that they know why you're not ask, getting this test or looking further into this. Because in a lot of cases, they'll then go ahead and request those tests because if something does happen, they don't want to be liable. And at times, it seems ridiculous that you have to trick your doctor into taking care of you. Um, yeah, uh, that, that sounds really difficult. Uh, I, I, as a white guy, can't relate to that, but I, I can only imagine like those nightmare scenarios where like, you go to the doctor and you expect treatment, you expect them to be helping you, and they're sort of not taking you seriously about your own body. Yeah, and another thing, like women of color are often seen like that they can take more pain that they are able to fight through it and it's um actually a, a people of color in general um they are seen as tougher or they stand a lot of healthcare and tests that have been created and standards of tests are white standards of tests well on the flip side that like the capacity to be able to breathe, like with COVID as an example, um, is set by white people. And they, they assume that black people have a bigger or stronger capacity to breathe. So you're less likely to get diagnosed until it's worse than someone else. Just their standards are seen differently. And they're looking at people of color like a different species at times. Uh, that might be uh, perhaps like a, an extreme way to look at things, but I think that doctors do need to understand that not every single human being is uniform in the way that their bodies handle things. I think that's a problem that they should be looking into. Like a, a problem with how they, they see um, certain people, in this case, like white people, as like the standard by which they judge the capacity for other people to handle the virus. That That's kind of messed up. Um, I'd like to see some more research on that myself i might have to do some looking into that um but if that is as um you're saying then that's definitely something problematic like one of the things the, one of the reasons that it comes up is black women specifically are less represented in clinical studies um so as we all know that clinical studies basically test out how effective a drug can be but when you're underrepresented in just clinical research for new drugs it can have a different effect on you because you're um when you're black you're more likely to have high blood pressure and sickle cell anemia those two things factor into how a drug can affect you another thing that um black women have a higher mortality and injury rate when giving birth the uh, black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy related issues like diabetes or high blood pressure when in women when they're pregnant those are high risk factors um that can occur due to pregnancy um and if not just that let's say you do survive childbirth you can get injured through childbirth i actually one of my old co-workers is now in a wheelchair because they when they gave her her epidural they hit a nerve so she is now paralyzed from the waist down from giving birth and that's more common in black women than any other race did she sue she 
I'm not entirely sure. Um, I can't remember. It was when she, and it was years ago, and she, she, she's afraid of hospitals now because of it, like, because that's, you know, where her injury occurred. Um, and she's actually gotten a lot more feeling in her legs. She, she always said that she felt like she was gonna, um, walk again, and it, and she's getting to that point that she possibly can. There's no promises though, and things like that happen every day, but we don't hear about it because it's an underrepresented group of people. Yeah, I mean, um. In a lot of cases, people go to the doctors assuming that they're going to be able to be helped, to be fixed. And when things go sideways and people get injured, there's lasting consequences. Um, what if someone gets misdiagnosed? These are real problems that can ruin someone's life. Yeah, uh, like something as simple as the best day of your life, like the birth of your child. And it's also the day that you lost the ability to walk. How... How much do you think that doctors and hospitals should be liable for some of this stuff? Because I, I, I feel like that's a tricky question sometimes because a lot of this stuff, it, it's an accident sometimes. And if the doctor wasn't there at all, some people might have been certain to have even worse outcomes than even if the doctor was there and messed up. Uh, just something I haven't really put a lot of thought into before. I think it's, well, they have malpractice insurance. And mm -hmm. like, just like an accident happens where someone hits you, you don't, and like, it's a really bad accident. You don't sue them, you sue their insurance company. So, in that same idea, you're not suing the doctor, you're suing the insurance company. You may at times be suing the hospital, but that's in extreme circumstances. Um, and, and I know that when things like that, when a major accident like that happens, or a death, like a, one that could have been prevented in these cases, they go into a, like a, the hospital does a review, an internal review of everything that, what they could have done better, what the, what could have prevented this um and they even show other doctors so that they learn so it is a teaching experience but i think at that point it is the patient's right to sue and i think i think that's a very americanized idea though it's the patient's right to sue like it's our right to sue people um but if the hospital's at fault if the doctor's at fault like if i hadn't went to this doctor at this time i could still be walking kind of idea yeah um had they been a little bit more careful sticking this giant needle in my back yeah uh, I, I could never imagine being a doctor myself and being responsible for all these people's lives just in my hands. No, that sounds way too much responsibility for me, directly at least. Uh, and even though they're going to school for like, you know, what, eight to ten years, you know? Four years undergrad, four years medical school, and then depending on like what you're going into, you have a residency that could be anywhere from four to six years, and then if you're like going to specialize like fetal medicine, that's another five, six years. They go to school for a really long really time. Really long time. And despite all of that schooling and education and um, on-site learning, like there's still so much stuff that they just don't know. Uh, there's so much that goes into being a medical professional. So much stuff that you have to know. I don't think it's fair to expect them to know everything. Like, that's why you go to specialists. Like, yeah. Um, like we spoke a little bit about earlier. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, if um, you do get screwed over by a healthcare professional, uh, please sue their insurance company uh, and get everything you can out of that. Um, Own a hospital now. And and every single time you see one of those commercials uh, that talks about how uh, this many people were negatively affected by this drug here, um, or in this sort of incident, uh, they may be entitled to compensation. Always take that. <laughs> please, please get your money for being screwed class, over by stuff. Class action lawsuits happen because the company knew it was already an issue. So when yeah. you see those commercials, it's because they knew what was going to happen. They knew the risk. They assessed the risk and said, "Your uh, the risk of you getting this is low enough for me to make money. Ugh, it's rough. We should just start saying no to that and just sue them directly. Well, class action, I think you get more money through a class action, I think, but... Well, obviously they agreed to it because they were making more money anyway. Yeah. So shake them down for all they're worth, you know. Um, the healthcare industry is so corrupt. So we also wanted to talk a little bit about um, maybe uh, social workers in the hospitals and yeah. uh, in the healthcare industry in general, more social workers. Yeah, like a uh, patient advocate. So when you go into a hospital, you can have someone who is a little bit more knowledgeable in the healthcare system than you are because people go years studying this stuff. You're just someone who is struggling to get help. If I think my, I brought this up. I think that we should have patient advocates so that they can properly assess treatments 
so that your wants and needs are met when you're getting treatments for different things like and that you're not railroaded into a treatment that you don't want in like excuse me there's a lot of cancer treatments there's a lot of there's no just one fix for any problem so a patient advocate can clearly lay out the options for you and present that to your doctor so your doctor isn't trying to railroad you into a decision that you might later regret they also can inf- give you more information and sit down and explain the risk and benefits of each treatment because doctors are always have an, always have another patient. A patient advocate is there to be there for you, like your own personal lawyer. Yeah, um, your own personal caseworker yeah. in a sense, you know, uh, as far as your stay in that um, hospital that goes. Um, also, medical professionals um, being trained in some aspects of social work, or I guess the uh, caseworkers could also um, serve to lighten the weight of this if they're introduced, like uh, spotting the cases of child abuse and a kid's brought into the hospital. Um, people trained to see the signs of that, uh, bring in the caseworker, uh, child services, stuff like that. Um, if they see any questionable incidents regarding the children, stuff like that. And that way everything's written down, like there's a paper trail for everything. Abused women, things like that. Yeah. So it not only benefits the patient, it benefits the hospital too, because you do have that paper trail. No one can say that that didn't happen because, hey, there's this lengthy process that we go through before even getting to a treatment or calling the police for abused women and children uh yeah certainly um i think we have a long way to go with that um of course that's a bit more like a, a societal thing but it should certainly be within the uh healthcare industry um it's like an additional sort of checkpoint to that kind of stuff um so do you want to talk a little bit about uh hysteria and its legacy and successors do you feel comfortable talking about that you can start off with the history part <laughs> uh so hysteria is a an old-timey diagnosis that they used to give to women when they didn't know what was wrong with them uh they're just like oh you're being hysterical you know uh you have hysteria you're acting crazy you're acting weird you don't know what's wrong with you and now there's um now we know looking back at things that hysteria was sort of a catch-all term uh used to describe women who were uh suffering from like at least a dozen or more diagnosable conditions uh and they just said they have hysteria and they just try to shut them up like that almost always with like a mental disorder too very often with mental disorders personality disorders stuff like that um and now it's just kind of evolved in, evolved <laughs> into something that is we can't figure out what's wrong with you so here you go um they'll run x amount of tests before they just think you're faking it or you're being dramatic and that you're just trying to get attention um it oftentimes still is with women and children are more likely to get diagnosed with the modern version of hysteria um but now it's really viewed as when doctors feel like you're a troubled patient or someone who is looking for attention they'll do it and it's just the idea that women like to complain kind of idea uh as if you're overweight there's another issue that comes into play with that they're just gonna assume that all your problems are due to your weight you can come in with a broken arm and they'll be like have you thought about losing weight that's a little dramatic and it's not exactly like that but it's an idea that rather than focusing on the issue that the patient came in to talk about they rather change the subject and focus on that one thing thinking it will fix all their problems when it has nothing to do with it yeah so from the wikipedia article here on female hysteria um just a couple of the uh symptoms that uh they would um say that women who are experiencing uh, female hysteria, you know, would have. Uh, we, we've got anxiety, shortness of breath, fainting, nervousness, sexual desire, insomnia, uh, fluid retention, heaviness in the abdomen, irritability, loss of appetite for food or sex, uh, and uh, sexually forward behavior, and a tendency to cause trouble for others. So, so if I want sex too much... I must be hysterical, but if I don't want it enough, you're also hysterical. Okay, so uh, so what was that happy medium? And that comes from the the book that I actually had to read. Uh, they they quoted the book, um, the technology of orgasm, hysteria, the vibrator, and women's sexual satisfaction, written by Rachel P. Maines. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't a uh, treatment for um, hysteria, like at least one of them was uh, the doctor would masturbate the, the patient? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he would generally uh, finger her to orgasm. 
Eventually, they started using vibrators for that, but the, the hands got tired. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit of history on that one. But uh, <laughs> doctors' hands were cramping up. They're like, I can't do this anymore. So we recreated the vibrator. Ah, Americans. Uh, innovation. Uh, <laughs> so. So next time someone questions your vibrator, just say it's a medical device. I mean, technically. <laughs> uh, we're, yeah. just, so we're just spewing facts here. They, they are facts. Um, racy facts, but <laughs> facts nonetheless. Uh, so, segueing a bit from how messed up our health care industry is with hospitals and whatnot, uh, segueing into the health insurance industry. I know you guys can't see this, but Danny just gagged. Um, I'm screaming internally. The healthcare industry, as if the health health insurance industry, as if the healthcare industry wasn't bad enough on its own, makes everything way worse than it needs to be. You know, I think Americans could probably just deal with how bad our healthcare industry is, but it's the health insurance industry that really ruins people's lives. I mean, you know, obviously a medical malpractice suit could really mess you up, as uh, what happened to your friend Danny. But so many people have to claim bankruptcy every year because of their medical bills that they just can't freaking pay. It's absolutely insane. Like, if you're, oh, like if you're thinking about uh, having a kid, um, boom, $36,000 right there just to give birth in the hospital uh please hope that you're insured and covered fully for that i saw um a video where a lady had um triplets oh my god <laughs> she had triplets <laughs> and the it, they were premature so per child not total per child it came out to over a, like before insurance coverages was over a million dollars that was just child one child and not even her coverage and by the end of it it cost so much she had to cash out her 401k she had lost her she had lost her husband like a few months prior so she she has no hope of retiring now i don't know how those kids those girls are gonna go to college but uh their only hope in the current system is that they remain in such uh dire straits that they get to go to school on the government's dime uh and that's horrible to say, but that's the kind of thing that the health insurance uh, industry does. So it's an absolute scam. Uh, it's there to make profit for the health insurance companies, their CEOs, their investors. Um, they're not really there to take care of you. They're there to collect your money and force you into worse and worse and more expensive and more expensive uh, health care plans with outrageous co-pays and then uh, deductibles too. <laughs> Copays, deductibles, there, there's always something there to screw the out of network, in network, and God for, and the thing is, if you go to a hospital, the hospital could be in network, but your doctor might be out of network. Your doctor could be in network, but your anesthesiologist, just the drug that they chose could not be in your network. Which is insane. It doesn't really make any sense, really. Like, there, there are some people, like, in the United States, you have to either get your own, you know, personal uh, health insurance plan, or you'll get it from your employer, or you'll get it from uh, the, the, the government or the state, you know? So those are basically your three options for health care plans in this country. And then in those plans, there's, like, the HMO, the PPO, the EPO, the POS, the HDHP, and then within those, there's, like, gold, platinum, silver. Yeah. So many choices, and by the time you're done, you're just like, did I even, am I buying health insurance or acronyms? Am I, can I buy a vow? Your boss might take a couple hundred bucks out of your paycheck um, whenever you get it for whatever health insurance plan that they might have for you um, through the company. And then you might go to the doctor and they might say, okay, well, we'll cover you, but you've got a, a deductible of a couple thousand dollars. So uh, the first couple thousand bucks that you have to pay this year, that's on you and we'll cover everything after that. And you might not be that sick that you need that. And then <laughs> you end up just paying all that out of pocket on top of you know, your wages basically being garnished. And then do you even have health care? <laughs> um, I health insurance. Yeah. yeah. When I got my health, like my, uh, health insurance through my employer, I had like X amount of options. I had like a HMO and a PPO. I knew that I wanted a PPO just from everything I've heard on TV. I had like, no one teaches you which one to choose. And then I went with the best that I could just low deductible, but I pay like $200 a, a month. For health yeah. insurance, but my deductible is only three fifty. Only. Oh uh, yeah, 
Only three. It's better than the fifteen hundred that my mom has yeah. in network. Yeah. Um, three thousand out of network, and she has to meet that before she can even have the insurance cover anything. And then I have a flexible spending account, which is what I use for my um copay and everything. So like it's my stuff that's comes out of my paycheck each week, each paycheck. But I get all that money in the beginning of the year. So I can use it on my glasses, my contacts. Um, any, like I, last year I used it to get my wisdom teeth out. That's another ripoff. Your health insurance, your vision, and your dental are all three different ones that you have to pay separately for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time. I, I know um, I, I have state health care right now because I am broke. Uh, and with that, my there there's like a low level of um, vision and dental in there. Where like uh, I get a pair of glasses every two years, um, one pair every every two years. And uh, and for someone like me who's been wearing glasses since they're since they were second third grade, I have to get my eyes checked every year. My eyes are so bad I can actually get tearing in my right. retina. Uh, I learned that with my new uh, eye doctor. That is really nice. Um, but I also pay for really good health insurance and really good eye care, really good dental, and it's still not all the way covered. No, that's part of the problem. You know, the health insurance companies are there to make profit off of you. No matter how good or how generous the deal that you're getting seems to be, just note that they're still making money off of it or else they wouldn't be offering you the deal in the first place. They are a profit-driven company. Your premiums will keep going up. Your deductibles will keep going up. And there is nothing that you can do about it. It is in the hopes that you never have to use your insurance. That you just pay into it and get nothing out of it. And that's one of the many things that's wrong with this country. But And God <laughs> forbid you get like cancer or something like that. They, your health insurance could drop you for any reason. Thankfully now, um, <laughs> companies can't really turn you down for having pre-existing conditions. So, so uh, yeah. pre-existing conditions. Being alive. A lot of people, yeah. Um. Something I could not control. I think my asthma can count as a pre pre-existing condition yeah, yeah. yeah i just i you think i want my lungs to stop breathing no i want them to to do their job the one thing my body is bad at is the thing it needs to survive and that's absolutely insane and that's like one of the craziest things about the whole obamacare fiasco from years ago is that everyone hated like the word like the name obamacare just gave like people bad impressions as you told them on the affordable care act it was suddenly you know in the green it was a Rep- it was a republican Messaging, tactic yeah, yeah. Uh, but like you, you go through that and what was the most popular thing about the affordable care act is the protection for pre-existing conditions and people were eager to you know get rid of the uh, the plan, the bill, uh, just even though they didn't really know what it was, and that would have gotten rid of their protections right there. But you got to know exactly what the government is doing with your health care. I think that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, it was it, on paper it was good. There was a lot of things that were messed up. With, oh yeah, like, certainly. Not not saying that it was a good plan. Like it, the execution was flawed. At a democratic supermajority, and the best they could give us was Obamacare. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Obama. I haven't said that in a while. Force everyone to give a, uh, to buy into private health insurance. That's very uh, very communist of them. Um, drenching in sarcasm over here, you know. Please, uh, American populace, participate in capitalism or die. Uh, <laughs> a bit extreme. Is it? The people's health care we're talking about. Uh, they would fine you if you didn't have health yes, insurance. Yes, that was ridiculous. I am too poor to afford health insurance, so you're going to fine me? For not having health insurance. For being poor. You well, the one year I was so poor that they didn't, that they waived the fine for <laughs> They're like, we can't find this guy. He doesn't have enough. <laughs> I think the idea was like, oh, you could get the government insurance. It's like, yeah, but like, for why? I mean, like, for a little while there, it was complicated because there were deadlines. And if you missed the deadline to apply for it, you just couldn't get it anymore. Uh. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Like, getting health insurance is not an easy ride. Like... You, with your employer, you have to be there for X amount of time. And then you have to, if you don't apply with, with 10, like, let's say it's, I think with my job, it was like 30 or 60 days. Um, it's usually like, it's like a month, like a few months. Um, and then you have like a month to sign up or you don't qualify. You have to wait till like the open enrollment time. Weird. And then the open enrollment time is like 30 days, I think. And that's um, one, if your employer even offers health care. If they're a small business, they certainly don't have to. Because um, they can't afford to. Yeah, yeah. And even if uh, they are big enough to offer you health care plans, you might have to be a full-time employee to qualify for them. And they might keep your hours just enough so that you're not considered full-time just to uh, screw you out of getting health insurance through the company. I think that's what's really cool about my where I work. They do offer people part-time employees paid time off, sick time. 
and uh, health insurance. Yeah, I mean, I, I I brag a lot about my company for, for someone who's not like the biggest fan of them. I mean, I don't know. I, I love my company. You need back and forth a little bit. It, it, it's a multi-billion-dollar company that I brag about a lot. I I am becoming the man. I realize uh. I. I love my company. I do. Um, I have to rebrand the podcast as whatever is left and Danny. Um. Um, it was actually funny because my coworker said that to me. He's like, he, uh, he said, fight the power. And then he went on to a story about how he once told that to a coworker in Texas. And he's like, he looked at him and was like, you are a middle-aged black man working uh, manager at a multi-billion dollar company. You are the man. That's rough. Um, but as to what I would do to fix the problems with the health insurance industry is, well, I would make uh, having private health insurance um, either A, illegal, or B, obsolete. Um, How would you do that, Hunter? Well, you can sign a law and uh, pass something like um, Medicare for All or Universal Healthcare, make healthcare free to point of service, pay for it through people's taxes, cut out the blood-sucking, uh, money-grubbing um, health insurance middleman um, and just pay for the costs of your health insurance without you know needing to make a profit off of it the government doesn't have to make a profit off of your health care so as the, so this is one of those things I realized that I slid to the leftover um, you could uh, uh, Hunter could attest to the fights we got in for like two years straight about yeah. me it me? was it was weird. Like you were on board of like so much stuff, and then we started talking about healthcare, and you just oh god, Republican <laughs> on me. I I still I still have trouble like wanting you know I like I get it I we need it and it's but everything in me is still fighting the the want for it and the agreeing with so it. Let, let's uh, let's open that up a little bit. Okay. Uh, why? <laughs> I th- okay. So my father's Republican. I need to preface that part. I, if you're a long-time listener, you already know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up in I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. So about the healthcare. No, no, this, I need to set the scene. So I was like, well, you know, he's like, my dad once told me, well, if I was in Canada with their free, with their free healthcare, they would have just let me die because I'm not useful to society. And I bought into it. I bought into the lie. I bought I bought into every lie that was said to me. Like. You know, it's not fair that you like we're paying for other people's health care and like everything else, and I'm just—it's dumb because we're already paying for people's health care. Yeah, and, and some of like sixty late. cents. It's sixty cents. I I think a month or it's like so a ridiculously low number. And the Koch brothers have even proven that it will be beneficial for our society and economics to yeah, have universal so health care. It will save us millions. A- it was a study done by a Koch Brothers funded conservative think tank uh, that w- was looking into it and they did the math and switching to a government run healthcare system would save our country trillions of dollars over the course of like 10 years. So it's already going to be drastically expensive and when people cite the figures of oh where are we going to come up with all this money, we pay more than that over the course of the period now. Because people are um, we're already paying for health insurance um, and people who just can't pay their bills that goes into debt and collection and sometimes it doesn't get paid people go into bankruptcy so it definitely doesn't get paid there's just so many things that stop it from like that makes healthcare so expensive also they inflate their prices ridiculously high certainly certainly and we're going to get a little bit into that when we talk about uh, pharmaceuticals um in a minute here but yeah uh, so it, it gets to be a little bit cheaper i don't understand how some people on the right would say that it's somehow cheaper to have a for-profit health insurance system than one where we cut out the drive for profit altogether i think they're uh, i nothing i know that part of the reason is because a lot of their donors their backers the people who get them elected who pay to get them elected are healthcare individuals like yeah, they work I, in the I, industry i know about the policy makers you know i'm trying to like get into the headspace of like the common you know conservatives so i can straw man them here Be, um, um their fa- their their idols their their uh, favorite tv personalities are are against it so they have to be against it yeah like, if you're cutting out the um the need to make a buck off of health care and you're just running the costs of labor and supplies and keeping the lights on and all that jazz then it's going to be a little bit cheaper and it's not 
like significantly cheaper like um, per year, but it adds up over time. This is trillions of bucks over the course of 10 years that could be going elsewhere. Um, a guy I was talking to and didn't realize how right-leaning he was until he said something to me about this. Um, he his whole thing was like, oh, why should this guy go to get into university, um, pay all this money, and then it be free healthcare? He paid all he paid into the system. Why shouldn't he get more money out of it? Um, was one of the reasons that that was one of the first moments I realized he was very right leaning. Yeah, uh, I feel like there's um, this is a separate issue about how I, I view the right in this country, but they seem to have like a real lack of empathy. Um, and you just can't really teach people how to. But they have empathy, Hunter. They want that unborn child to be born. <laughs> but, but you know, if it's already if it's already out there, it doesn't need help. No, no, no. It's, it's fine. It's perfectly once it's born, it doesn't matter. Uh, cool. Um, so yeah, I, I would propose and support uh, a universal government-run healthcare single-payer system. Uh, and yeah, if we do that, it can still include dental. It can still include vision. It can still include mental health. These are all things that like you have to really fight with a health insurance company to provide for you. And if we can get help, uh, universal healthcare with mental health, like that could reduce the uh, homeless population. That could reduce um, a lot of crimes. It solves. And with universal healthcare, that can reduce the population in prisons. A lot of people commit crimes so they can go to jail, so they can get three square meals a day and health insurance. Sometimes it seems wild to think about it. And then you're like, if we were in a really bad situation, that doesn't sound so no. bad. No, free room, free board, food. Bed to sleep on, you know? Uh, a hot, like a warm bed to sleep on. Um, no risk of a hobo shanking. Just, just your roommate, but like... <laughs> Stay out uh, of trouble. Free soap, as long as you don't drop it. I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't have made that joke. Uh, <laughs> you should. A serious problem. <laughs> um, we'll cut that out. No, we probably won't. Uh, <laughs> but let's uh, let's segue a bit into talking about the pharmaceutical industry. Trash. Absolute trash. I hate them. Why are we... I think we're like one of the few countries that sell like pharma- pharmaceuticals on TV. Like, you know, those ads where it's like, ask your doctor to see if Trilanqua is a... Uh, g- suitable for you and like why are we why am i telling my doctor why am i telling my doctor what's suitable for shouldn't the guy who just went to school for like 10 years tell me what i should be having Uh, yeah probably um so the big problem with the pharmaceutical industries is that our country really does have some of the best um scientific research for drugs in the world we we really do um I, i hear a lot of um right-leaning people when they're talking about uh, healthcare and pharmaceuticals and stuff, they'll, they'll talk about that. They'll, they'll use it as a talking point. Like, oh, we have the best healthcare. We have the smartest people. Yes, but all of our public research done in our public universities and all that jazz get privatized. And we get privatized. Uh, these big pharmaceutical industries will get patents to produce the pharmaceuticals that were researched using, you know, public money, uh, and then they'll sell it back to us for a profit. They have contributed almost nothing. Great example is insulin. And the guy who discovered it it's either insulin or penicillin i think they both um they found it and they weren't they didn't want to charge people for it. they were just like hey just make this they kept it open to the public They're like make this help people and then the, they were like Hoo, ha, ha, ha. we're gonna take this cartoonish uh <laughs> pharmaceutical <laughs> monopoly guy yeah. you know this is mine and i shall make a profit of 500 dollars on an EpiPen, even though it only costs like 70 bucks to make yeah, yeah, because if this person doesn't have it, they will die if they need it. You know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous the kind of uh, pressure that they have on people. And uh, conservatives will like to talk about the free market and how that's their right. And if someone else uh, wants to enter the market and uh, take their business, they could just start selling these for cheaper, but not if they have the patent, you know? And even if you try and make a new one or it has to be distinct distinctive enough that they can repatent it um and don't even think about going to canada and getting it the the amount of research and testing that that would take is ridiculous and come up with like a whole new kind of drug to fix a problem it right now it is cheaper for for most people to drive into canada get insulin in canada and drive back yeah probably a lot cheaper it'll save you hundreds of dollars least so that people don't have to ration out their insulin the thing that keeps their blood sugar balanced so that they don't go into a diabetic coma the absolute horror 
stories that I've heard and read online about people, die. people, young people too. You know, this isn't just like the old folks. You know, this is young people too, teenagers, twenty-something-year-olds, everyone across the board who can't afford their insulin. They just uh, try and cut it a little too close, and they just can't make it. Yeah. Um. My coworker has really bad ADHD. He ran out of his prescription, and it took him forever to get a doctor's appointment to to get it. And like, if you ever see an AD, someone who is ADHD who has relied on medicine for years get off their medicine mm. it's it's bad like they, they they just can't focus and like and he like he has two doses like he takes one in the morning and one halfway through the day just to get through the day because of how bad it is so let's talk a bit about um pharmaceutical reps uh and their relationship with doctors the concept is trash i can't blame humans for trying to make money to survive you can shame them for it so it in a lot of doctors' offices, when you get the like when they're putting out jobs for receptionists, they will often write free lunch um, in their ad. Not because they're offering free lunch, but because pharmaceutical reps often buy the office lunch so they can sell their drugs to the, the receptionist. I used to work at a pizza place and I saw it at least once a week. I would deliver pizza to multiple doctor's offices because of the reps. Wow. It's yeah. just like a really obvious but subtle, you know, quiet. Obvious and quiet. Yeah. Um, it's it's bribery. Yeah. Forms of bribery. And then once you, if you sign on to that contract as a doctor, you get a percentage back for every prescription you do. So corruption, rank corruption in the healthcare industry. <laughs> but it's legal. So it's not. You're not, you're just making the best decision for your patients or something like that. Best decision to line your wallet. Um, so that's obviously super messed up. Um, yeah, like even if the drugs are safe, that's still, you know, bribery. Yeah, the yeah, idea that's, that, that's not cool. The idea that my doctor might not be prescribing something that he believes in, but something that was given to him for free. So they, they always give them samples and he's just trying to like make more money. It's why I stopped seeing my neurologist because I knew that. I delivered pizzas to that office and I was like, oh, I, I can't trust you. And I get really bad migraines. So I had to make a decision between like continue seeing this guy who was the only one in my network or go to someone who's just going to prescribe me drugs because of recept uh, pharmaceutical reps. And it was not the only reason that I stopped seeing him, but it was, it was, it was like, factor, yeah. you know? it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. He wasn't doing anything. And then like my insurance denied a claim, like an insurance, like the doctor prescribed me something. They told him, no, I don't need it. And he was supposed to fight them, which is another ridiculous healthcare issue. If my doctor prescribes me something, it's because I need it. You shouldn't deny oh, my need for it and then he never fought it so i couldn't go on my follow-up and then i found out that he was seeing a ton of reps and i was like okay that's it like did my health insurance company have my back on that i'm not <laughs> entirely sure uh probably not probably not um they do not get the benefit of the doubt <laughs> no they do not um, so let's talk a little bit about the impact of pharmaceutical industries on the addiction epidemic if what you're saying is true uh, about the reps paying doctors, um, are the doctors pushing more addictive like pain meds onto people? Are these companies lining the doctors' wallets, and are the doctors, you know, liable for their role in the uh, addiction epidemic? That's a it's a pretty serious accusation there, you know, because you got people uh, addicted to pain pills, obviously uh, opiates. Yeah, the opiates start to get less and less um, clean, illicit hits. Um, the doctors definitely had the reason it the opioid epidemic got as bad as it did is primarily because of doctors, like and. It started off with middle aged. I think it's always been a thing, like especially in the seven, like from the seventies on, where as where the housewife was bored, so they went to the doctor. The doctor prescribed them medicine to make them feel better. It just got them high, and it was okay when it was just middle class moms working at home. But then it started. I'm not saying it, it is okay. It's just like the idea of how society saw it. Um, and then in the early 90s, mid 90s, it got so that, you know, Vicodin was the primary drug that was diagnosed or prescribed for pain. It, it just got worse and worse where you'd have a small pain and the doctor would prescribe you an opioid. And then there was a crackdown on it. So doctors couldn't prescribe as much and they had to limit how much they were prescribing to people. So people couldn't get their refills. The next best thing to that, heroin, meth. <laughs> it seems like a dramatic fall, but it's their uh, prescription opioids are just legalized street drugs. Yeah, and then people, especially medical professionals, have known how addictive opiates and opium, you know, has been for centuries. 
uh, it, it's obvious, and they, they largely knew what they were doing. Um, you can only give someone so much of it before they get hooked. Like, if it was, like, a one-time uh, and even prescription. Then, uh, for, for some people, that's it. That's all they need is a one-time prescription, because they, they, the dosage is high. Mm. I know I personally have had to deal with uh, members of my family getting addicted to painkillers. It's, it's rough. Uh, my mother went through it. I had to watch my grandmother go through it a bit. Um, it uh, tears people apart. It's uh, addiction sort of uh, becomes their, their whole focus. Their one and only concern. I know now that I, I think they went a little too extreme yeah. to the other side of things, though. When I got my wisdom teeth pulled out, they wouldn't give you any. <laughs> I got Tylenol. Oh no! I was <laughs> like straight up Tylenol. And that's another issue is me as like a Hispanic woman am less likely to get a higher prescription drug than you as a white male. That's another thing. When I got my wisdom teeth out, they gave me, like, a stronger version of Tylenol. I could have gotten Tylenol and just tripled the dosage, right. and it would have been the same thing. But you probably, if you get your wisdom teeth pulled, you're probably going to get, like, something stronger. But yeah, I, I'm still upset, like, a year later that I got Tylenol. I'd be upset, too. Like, and then I got an infection. You, I was you, you were ripping bones out of my face. Can you please give me something four. stronger? All, I did all four of them at once. Well, at least you did it all at once, but still. Yeah, no, my mom told me to do like half and half, and I was like, no, I'm just gonna, because if I do it half and half, I'm not gonna do it at all. <laughs> if I do the first ones, I'm not coming back to the second one. Uh. Uh, but yeah, they gave me like higher prescription Tylenol, and I think that's it. Like at some point, you have to find a balance. Like, not over prescribing, but I ha I'm getting teeth pulled out. Please give me something stronger than. And I was in pain for days. Oh, yeah. I, I slept most of the time because I just did not want to feel the pain. And even then, I kind of felt the pain while I was sleeping because it was just like a throbbing. But it's helped a little bit on my migraines. You know, positive. Uh, what my uncle used to do when he got a toothache was he R rub just... some bourbon in the gums? No, cocaine. Oh! <laughs> yeah, just little, little cocaine. Little cocaine? I don't... It goes numb. You can't feel it anymore. Cocaine's for white people. I'm I'm Hispanic. I think yeah, I had to get cracked. Yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was supposedly a coke dealer <laughs> um, back in the day. But, uh, <laughs> So that, that was his trick for uh, toothaches, you know. Oh, I thought I thought it was bourbon, like like what you do with. I, do they still do that with babies, I don't where know. they put alcohol in their gums when they pee? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> his go-to was was cocaine. Um, Good to know. <laughs> uh, for any of my uh, well-to-do uh, listeners, <laughs> there you go. If you get high-grade Tylenol, just get some cocaine. As we were talking about the addiction. Be careful if if you're if you're doing addictive drugs. Yeah, um, we're we're not judging. Just be safe. We do drugs responsibly, and uh, if if it's affecting your uh, your life and your family in a negative way, seek help. Okay. Um, there are plenty of programs out there. Yeah, yeah. We weren't really gonna make this episode about uh, drugs. I, I think, think we've commented on this topic a couple times before in various other. I in think the criminal justice. Yeah, we talked about. I think it could be its own. Yeah. Be its own. Its own like subjects and uh, treating people instead. Of just keeping them in prison and stuff. Yeah. Go check out that episode too, the criminal justice reform. Yeah, shameless plug. <laughs> um, I, I love being able to go back and say, yeah, yeah we've already talked about this. Uh, I like that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we're talking we're talking about opioids. Yeah. Um. So I think doctors and pharmaceutical industries have a lot of uh, blame. Yeah. As far as the addiction crisis goes, especially the way the like I said, commercials they marketed the heck out of them. Like. It, it was ask your doctor about this tell your doctor if you're interested about this like i should but doctors should have also been more careful on how they prescribed it certainly um i know tying it back to uh, what's going on today like i know the pharmaceutical companies are making bank from the coronavirus vaccine the vaccine or any like when hydrocodone was suggested by our former fearless leader hydro uh hydroxychloroquine yeah that because um, that's meant for for lupus patients. They they saw a shortage in it, so they were told they, they told lupus patients that you know you would risk it for you should you're making a sacrifice for the country. Someone with an autoimmune disease who's already high risk was told, well, you can't get your medicine because we think it helps with COVID. And it was it, in some circumstances it was, but it was one of those like things that was told but never confirmed and it was only meant to be on like people who were on ventilators and then the president 
went out and said this, so everyone wanted yeah, it. Yeah, and then when he got COVID, uh, guess who they didn't give hydroxychloroquine to, and instead they gave him some kind of crazy uh, stem cell like implant. Yeah. They, they did a lot. They did a lot of experimental things on yeah. him. I, I remember hearing the story about a the, the, researcher who got dragged out of his home and forced to hand over his research to the government so that they could do this procedure on the president. That's ridiculous. And this is from the guy who says it's it's a hoax, who is fa- it's fake. Yeah, they, they're going to pull out all the stops for the uh, commander-in-chief you know but it, obviously that drug was not everything it was talked up to be or else they would have used it on him you know uh, i mean they flew him a block and a half in a helicopter over to the, the hospital he was gonna drive he literally could have gotten his many many cars yeah um so the pharmaceutical companies are making bank even if you personally are not paying for all these uh, vaccines and covid tests and stuff like that uh they're charging the government for it and they're still profiting massively it's it's insane um and as we come to like the tail end of the pandemic uh probably how this is more like a, a projection for the future of like one day uh, you know one day hopefully soon one day hopefully soon uh, one day hopefully as, as we come to uh the tail end of the pandemic um things might not continue to be covered by the government and you might just have to start paying for these the old-fashioned way and getting ripped off well of them. i know a lot of the insurance companies are also covering it. it it felt nice to just go in and get tested and not have yeah. to worry about that, anything. That, that is a glimpse of what the country could be like if we had universal health care. I mean, the wait was a little bit long, but that's because it's an American healthcare system where we the wait is forever. And we, and we don't have a lot of places, and even when there are a lot of places, there's it, just a lot of people who were there because, you know, it's a pandemic and everyone's worried about having COVID. Especially when you're a frontline worker, a central worker. Where yeah, you spent all day with people. And you can't afford to spend all day in a clinic or a doctor's office because then you're losing all your money and the government's not taking care of you as well as they could. So you spent um, your day off all day in a doctor's office. Great way to spend it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I would fix this problem. Uh, there's two ways to do it. Um, it. It works very similarly to what I would do with the... Uh, health insurance uh you either um nationalize the pharmaceutical industry and sort of commandeer them for public use which is the main way to do it to uh the capitalists here or another way is to fund government production of drugs and other pharmaceuticals uh to keep the other manufacturers prices low adding competition adding competition that's not being introduced into the market for a profit you know you know what we didn't talk about? What? Generic versus, like, name brand drugs. We have talked a bit about, about that. You know, we're still talking about drugs and yeah. pharmaceuticals. So. I was just thinking, because we were, I was like, oh, is the government just going to be the generic drug? And that's when I... Yeah, probably. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially if it works, you know, the same. It's going to, yeah, be made the same. I think it's weird that the, the way to save on your prescription is, oh, well, let's go generic. I was like, why, why have two different types? It's made the exact same way. And it's just a different name or... Also, uh, I think we should um, revoke the patents on like the generic life-saving drugs, and uh, maybe the government just keeps a hold of those for you know future need instead of giving them out to private companies. Uh, that seems like something that could be useful in a pandemic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's too much government overreach. You know, in a global pandemic, I think a little bit of government overreach might be fine. We want small government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to get into that in another episode. I know. I just the the, the government size debate. Uh, that one sounds like a fun one to get into. It has to, the government has too many hands and pots or whatever, whatever they say. Uh, whatever they say. <laughs> whatever they say. I, don't, I don't know where you were going with that one, but um, I, I knew they're too involved in too much stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's basically that's what, what they'll say. That's what they're basically saying. But uh, if it's saving the government money to switch to uh, you know private systems and it's helping the people get cheaper drugs i'm all for it i don't see why most people would be against it um unless you're the ceo of a pharmaceutical or health insurance company and then i can understand what you have uh i mean they still have medical devices that they make bank on that's a topic we didn't touch either uh yeah medical technology um it's a issue that i'm not super knowledgeable about i know a little bit it's not my most well my the thing words words are hard um, the thing I'm well versed on, but I know a few things, and it's kind of a corrupt system in a, in and of itself. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of faultiness that can end up 
poisoning the body itself. Um, the thing that's meant to help you can end up killing you. Uh, like metal on metal. Um, if you move like on hips or knees, those things that move constantly and grind against each other. Start shaving a little bit of metal off and you can get metal poisoning from your joint because it's just in your bloodstream. And a lot of medical devices are like that. Cop um, you get different types of poisoning from different types of materials that they use. Uh, and the way they do it is they can change one or two things and they can create a whole new patent and sell that whole new uh, medical device for a lot more. It's, it's a corrupt system. The medical system is definitely aimed to make money off the backs of sick people. And it, oftentimes with medical devices, it just makes them sicker. Pacemakers yeah. are the exception to that rule. And even then, like, your pacemaker can actually shock you and cause you to go into a heart attack. Yeah. The Medical technology is not as sophisticated as it hopefully will be one day. And there's there's always a, there's always a recall on a medical device. So if you're looking at a fake hip or a fake knees, uh, do a lot of research into the product. Keep those receipts. Uh, <laughs> Keep those receipts. Your insurance company sure will. Uh, just the, the thought of that just um, brings me to Repo the Genetic Opera. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever seen that? I haven't. You have well, you should. The, the premise is that uh, if you need like a an organ transplant, uh, you can get that procedure done. But if you don't pay for it, some guy comes along and he takes the organ back, and then you just kind of die. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's a musical. I mean, it sounds like the American Girl. I mean, what? It's it's very dystopian, like the dystopian look as to what the system it, if it keeps going in the current trajectory, what it could look like. Like what what the health the American yeah, healthcare system nightmare looks like. Scenario there. Uh, so go watch that uh it's it's, it's apparently, interesting apparently me and the fans need to go see it yeah uh, pa paris hilton is in that i know i know okay yeah the fun fact of the day um like this whole podcast isn't some fun facts of the day i mean yeah yeah you're, you're right about that um yeah so i think we could solve a lot of the problems with our healthcare industry with, uh, all the way from the hospitals uh and the doctors and whatnot to the health insurance to the pharmaceuticals by just letting the government handle it taking the for-profit incentives out of the industries um i guess you could still do for-profit stuff if you want like plastic surgery or just cosmetic stuff that you don't really need i I have a slight argument with that. Um, not, I mean, not saying all plastic surgery, but I think some of them is, should be covered. Like, technically, if you have a deviated septum, you get a nose I mean, job for that. That's fine. Like, I was talking, like, purely cosmetic stuff. Ooh, if you lose a lot of weight, skin removal surgery, that's technically just a purely... But I think it should be covered. I think if someone worked really hard to lose all that weight, if we're going to cover things, we should cover that as well. Uh, fine. I mean, I'm not really, like, opposed. Um... Sorry, I just... I don't it's know. Right. It's it's a soapbox that I wanted to, to get on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you built up that hill and you can die on it. I'll I'll be right there with you. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't see any problem with that. Uh, I'm always down for like helping people more. Um, I just didn't see cosmetic. Uh, oh, I, like I, people like, can have like um, Bible section or in, like the Brazilian butt look. No, like yeah, you pay for that. If you want to be look like Kim K, that's fine. But, I mean, she's, she's pretty. I'm not going to deny that she's pretty, but, like, spend your own dime. Yeah. Um, people can get their private health insurance uh, for cosmetic stuff. I don't really have a problem with that idea. But if it comes to actually, like, keeping people alive and healthy, what's the point, you know? You don't need to be nickel and diming people just to stay alive. Stay alive. And I think that's, like, more of a societal problem. Uh, we, we look at, you know, need. What do people need? Um, and then we try and make a buck off of it. Yeah. And... I think we should focus more on what if, if we are going to maintain this sort of like market economy capitalist mindset focus more on what people want and sell at people instead of th thinking what do people need or else they die the cosmetic surgery i want bigger lips i want a bigger butt you need insulin <laughs> i need insulin uh, i need penicillin yeah and you can apply that sort of logic to most situations and that's usually where you're gonna find my stance on things i need a way to get to work i want a ferrari yeah yeah sorry um, just a really we haven't talked about transportation we might one day yeah that'd be kind of cool like uh i i want mountain dew i need water <laughs> you know yeah a lot of water is the biggest like scam oh god i hate nestle they're the worst oh they really are separate topic but yeah it's kind of where i stand on these things i mean we're talking yeah. about healthcare being a scam i just yeah. to... more scams everything's a scam i think most uh government mandated like insurance laws are scams the government's saying you have to pay a private company to do something for you like yeah anyway uh do you have anything you'd like to add before we close out for the night um, i shouldn't have to pay an ambulance 400 dollars to go to the doctor oh god ambulances are awful <laughs> i just i mean uh. 
I've been thinking but, about which way to say it. I was like, you know what? I'll just put it at the end when he asks me if there's anything else I want to add. Yeah, definitely. Like, the idea of um, someone calling up an Uber uh, to take them to the hospital. Because you don't want to call in an ambulance. You know how much those cost. Yeah, like, an Uber from my, from here to the hospital, the nearest hospital, 20 bucks? An ambulance from here to the hospital? Easy, yeah. yeah. When I had my car accident, I took an ambulance. That, I mean, their insur- the, the, the other guy's insurance covered it because I sued them. Um... <laughs> They covered it, but it was like $600, and I was closer to the hospital there than I am from here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ridiculously expensive to the point where people will actively choose to not call an ambulance when they're having a medical emergency just so they don't have to pay that. I'm having a heart attack? Ooh, don't call me an ambulance. This is Uber. The, yeah, Uber. Yeah, we're 20 minutes. <laughs> Actually, Uber is sometimes really quick, depending on like Sometimes, you know, time of day and where yeah. you're at, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that people need to do that. <laughs> Um, Only in America. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you see someone having a seizure, do not call an ambulance. Let them ride the seizure out. Most of the time, it's an issue. If they don't, if they have a medical bracelet, if you don't see a medical bracelet or they're not with someone, still don't call them an ambulance. Okay. Let them ride it out. If they need a doctor once they are conscious or after five minutes, I believe, like three to five minutes, um, just put them on their side. And if it's more than three minutes, I believe, it, um, then you can call the ambulance. Um, I also. Another uh, symptom of all these problems is uh, self-diagnoses. People looking up their problems WebMD. on the internet. Yeah. Dr. And, Google. And other sites like that, you know. Dr. Google. Where, where you can look up uh, what you think you might have and diagnose yourself and uh, try and find home remedies for your problems. Uh, the fact that people have to do that to avoid going to an actual doctor and they're willing to go through all that effort to avoid going to an actual doctor is ridiculous. Some people just really hate doctors. They do, and sometimes it's for monetary reasons. Other times it's because, you know, they don't trust the doctors or hospitals just freak them out. Um, but it's just more more and more problems with the uh, system. But uh, I think uh, I think that basically uh, ends all, all that I have to say. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening to us rant about uh, healthcare for for a while. Uh, I'm Hunter. I'm Danny. And uh, we are out. Have a good night.